Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. So I was supposed to um, speak on something vastly different than I'm going to speak on. I was supposed to continue this uh, journey that had been on in Genesis, uh, looking at the life of Abraham. And, you know, it, it was kind of crazy. My, my week was crazy, and I kind of text Dr. Freedom, and I was like, look, you know, I just don't feel as confident as I should. I don't feel like I've had enough time to really study. Now, first off, let me say this. It seems like he always does go out of town when he asks me to preach on either sex, and now he gives me circumcision. So that, that's not why I'm not doing it. I'm just saying that's not why I'm not doing it. But, but you know, I, what, what happened this week, you know, I was kind of sitting there, kind of probably like a lot of you, and I was kind of having a little time of praise where I was praising God for what he had done this week and, you know, the, the millions of lives of these infants that are going to be saved because of, uh, of what's happening. And I saw, you know, uh, a post or, or, you know, just a message that somebody had put out and they were talking about, you know, basically what it said was that, you know, on, on one street in this country right now, there's hundreds of people cheering and praising and, and, and celebrating the fact that babies and infants' lives are going to be saved. And on the same street, just a few feet apart, there are hundreds of people mourning and wailing and crying and angry because they can't kill millions of babies anymore. And it dawned on me, you know, this idea that we are so divided, not just in this country, but in the world today. And, I, you know, from gas prices to inflation to politics to abortion rights, gun rights, whatever it is, you look around, it seems like we live in this age of anxiety and fear and worry. And I was, I was kind of going through my notes. I found this, uh, an old message that I had done years and years ago, and I began to read through it. And, and you, know, it, you know, you've probably really heard from the Lord when you can read your own message and it begins to convict and speak to you. You know it's not your words. You, you can realize it's from God. So it's a message that I want to deliver today. And for those of you who have been here a long time, uh, this is kind of a retread. Uh, I apologize, but I can guarantee this, that if you just remove me from the equation and you really focus on what I think God may want you to hear this morning, like I do think God wants someone here to hear this message this morning. I truly believe You'll be blessed. I do believe this message is for somebody this morning. So if you'll turn your, in your Bibles to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. You know, David's one of the greatest MCs the world's ever known. He could write words that are so divinely inspired, but, and they help us kind of search ourselves. And I think Psalm 139 is a, is a beautiful psalm for that very reason, because it kind of gives us this picture of two things. It kind of gives you a picture of God's all-seeing eye. And what I mean by that is this idea that God's always watching over us, that God's in, involved in every situation, right? He sees all things. He knows what's going on in the world. But it also gives you a picture of the fact that God is intimate in our lives, that God's in your everyday mundane things that you're doing, that He's walking beside you on a day-to-day basis. So I want to pick up in verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only, God, you would slay the wicked. Away from me, you bloodthirsty, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you? Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you. I have nothing but hatred for them. 
I count them my enemies. Now, here comes the shift. See, David's focusing on the external factors. Then all of a sudden, he's going to make this move we see him make over and over again in his life. From dealing with his enemies from to dealing with this inner me. And I know that sounds like a cute little preacher line, but I'm telling you right now, it is a very, it's an important life skill for Christians to have. And I want you to see this because David, he's about to take responsibility for the things in his life that make him fearful, that bring worry and bring anxiety to his life. See, he's not going to put it on, you know, his boss. He's not just going to put it on his job. He's not just going to put it on his teachers or his students, his spouse or his kids. See, he's not just going to put it on things outside of himself. He's going to start looking at himself. And in verse 23, it says this. It says, say, it says, search me, God. Search me. Those two words right there, search me, would probably set you free from 90% of the drama that you find yourself in sometimes. It probably sets you free from a lot of the drama that you like to borrow by sticking your nose in other people's business in places it doesn't belong. Search me, God, and know my heart. You notice the shift. Kill him. He's kill him. He's focusing on and complaining about the way things are, right? He's focusing on the world and how much corruption is in the world, how much hatred's in the world, how all these this all evil just seems to be running rampant in the world. Does that does that seem Pretty relevant today. He's focusing on all those things and then he shifts and he says, search me. Search me. We can talk about the racism in this, in this country, in the world today. We can talk about the divide. We can talk about the different politics and beliefs. But here's the thing that David figured out. Nothing changes in this world unless I do. Nothing's going to change around me unless I do. So verse 23 says, know my heart, test me. And know my anxious thoughts. This is kind of where I want to look at this morning. I want to ask that question. Why are we so anxious? Why are we so fearful? Why, why do we live in an age of worry? And it seems all of us are living anxiously in this day and age. We live in that age of anxiety. And it's almost marketed to us, right? Through the very stations that are supposed to give us our information, they actually engage in using fear tactics so they can sell advertising time, often promoting the same drug pharmaceutical companies that are owned by the same conglomerates that push out the info designed to make us anxious in the first place. I sound a lot like David right now, don't I? Kill him, God, kill him. I want to be careful. But David comes to a place where David... He, he notices, hey, you know what? It's not what's happening out there that actually makes me anxious. It's what I allow in here. It's not actually what's out there. It's what I allow in here. What do I allow to go undetected? What have I allowed in my life to go unchecked? It's my thought process. And see, he uses a Hebrew word that means disquieting thoughts. And we, we translate it into anxious thoughts and a few other things. But David, he, he's, he's saying it's not what's happening around me that's causing my anxiety it's how i'm thinking about it look at verse 24 and i know david he had no clue about neural pathways but it sure sounds like he did he says i want you to look inside and see if there's any offensive way in me now every one of you know when you do something over and over again habitual 
When we think a certain way and we do it over and over again, it creates interstates in our mind, right? We begin to create an I-55 in our mind. And David seems to be saying, what have I been thinking? Have I been thinking in such a way that has allowed the enemy to traffic in my mind? Where, where have I been letting him in? And I just didn't even see it. And that's what I want to look at this morning. I want to kind of take a little test this morning. To kind of come to the answer the question, you know, why are we so anxious? Why does fear seem to control our every decision? Why are we so filled with worry? And I hopefully want to push us past the point where every time we answer that question, it's somebody else's name. I want to push us past the point where every time we answer that question, we mention something outside of our control. The things going on in this world today are outside of your control. It's not up to you you got to give that up to God. He's the Lord of the outcome. See, hopefully I want to get us to a place where we can see that God is not only watching over our lives, but He has kind of this 24-7 surveillance on our lives. And God's always, always watching. And God always keeps His promises. He's always going to supply every need, even when we're anxious. But why? Maybe there are some ways in us that are making us vulnerable to the way that things are allowing us to feel and act in this world, to remain anxious. See, when the Bible says do not be anxious, I don't think he means that you can never feel anxiety or fear or worry. No, I don't think that at all. I'm talking about those moments in your life, those seasons in your life, where you can't seem to let it go, where you can't seem to, 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 to get rid of it, where you seem to live in it. So why am I so anxious? And I think the first thing we need to do is we need to check our intake. When we're anxious, I think the question that needs to come to mind is, what are we full of? What are we full of? Now, I know I've done this before, and you got to excuse me, but I think some of you need to be reminded. And my kids showed me this, and it's beautiful. And and, and every phone has one. It's this feature that's actually the best thing they ever put on a phone. And the thing is, it doesn't matter whether you have an iPhone 23, an iPhone 1, or Samsung. It doesn't matter who your provider is, what plan you're on, unlimited or not. Every phone will work in this capacity. And this is a beautiful thing. And I want to show you real quick. If you take, I don't know where yours is on your phone, but on mine, it's on the side. If I take it and I squeeze this button, these little icons come up. The one, the one that says the little circle right here, if I push it, watch what happens. My phone shuts off. I think this is part of our problem. For some of us, let me tell you a little secret. It's too much. It really is. It's too much. I don't don't know how we can spend every day of our life praying for the peace of God in our lives when there's no room for Him to put the very peace you're asking for. I don't think God ever intended for you to walk around with the entire conversation of the world in your back pocket, buzzing every five seconds like a sniper going off on your rear end. I mean, seriously, we walk around and we act surprised that we aren't filled with any peace or any joy when God has no place to put it because you're so worried about what did they say? What are they wearing? Did you see who broke up with who? Can you believe that they did that? Do you know what's going on in their life? It's amazing. I don't think it was supposed to be this way. And no no wonder we're freaking out. 
No wonder we're needing things outside of our lives to numb ourselves and people drinking or drinking themselves to death and popping every pill known to man just so they can walk around like a zombie. Because we're so full of the world, God has no place to put His presence in your life. No wonder anxiety runs rampant. And we don't, we don't even realize the devil's got a shock collar in your back pocket. And it goes off whenever he won't think about it. I want you to think about how many times God may have wanted to use you in your daily life, but that thing in your back pocket buzzes, goes off, and distracts you from the very things that God may want to do through your life. And all the devil's got to do is, is get somebody to post one Facebook post, and you're distracted for the next hour and a half, and you miss the opportunity to love and serve somebody. What hope do we have at peace if we don't make a place for it? Now, you've, you've probably heard the saying before, garbage in, garbage out. And I think when I was younger, when my parents would say that something like that to me. It meant that I needed to watch what I listened to. What, you know, I, I need to be careful about the rock music and the rap music. And I need to be careful about what movies I watch. And I think all these things are true. We should take note of the things that we take in in our lives that can begin to really take root in our heart and darken our heart. But here's, here's something else. And I don't think we think about this way. I also think that sometimes what we don't take in is just as fatal to our faith. I See, I think some of you, some of you even today are on some sort of spiritual salvation diet and you don't even know it. Some of you, you, you have faith but you don't feed it on a daily basis. You don't feed your faith on a daily basis because you don't go to the very source of your faith on a daily basis. And then when it comes time, when you're in a situation and you need to, eat, to access the strength that God's given you through His Spirit, it's nowhere to be found because you've starved it out of your life. You've filled every moment of your life with so much of the world and so little of God that the very moment you need to access the supernatural power that God has given us to live and walk beside us in our daily lives, you have no access to it. We have to get our intake levels up and it needs to be of the right thing. It needs to be of the Word of God. It needs to be in our prayer life. It needs to be of service. Before you can change what you take in, though, I think you need to, to track what you take in. Can, can you imagine if we had some sort of system we could hook up to your brain that printed out every thought that you had on a daily basis? Some of us would be very embarrassed, wouldn't we? I know I would. If we, if we, if we let the enemy in and then pray for God to drive him out, We've created a cycle. We create our own cycle, our own state of mind. And we're trying to pray away the very things that we're allowing in our lives in the first place. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You don't get to walk down the road that God's told you not to go down. And then when you get to the end of it and find the destruction, then ask God to deliver you from it. That's not how it works. What are we allowing in our minds? Search me, God. We need to let God's eye see what it is we're taking in. And I mean this in terms of our relationships as well. For some of you, you have people in your lives right now that are draining your faith. You do. You have people in your life that aren't building you up. They're not edifying you. They're breaking your faith down. It's just as good for us sometimes to check our intake levels. We need to check what we're taking in. 
And when we check our intake levels, then we have to also find out if we're balanced. See, the second thing I want to talk about is, are we living with an imbalance in our life? We need Sometimes, you know, I, and trust me, I'm not talking about chemical imbalance. That is far above my pay grade. I mean, when we don't have a sense of what's important in our life. When our priorities are all messed up. See, when everything feels like it's urgent, that's a sign that you haven't figured out what's truly important in life. When everything in your life feels on the same level, it's a sign for me that I don't know actually what is truly important in my life. I don't know actually what God may actually want me to do in my life. And see, now you're open to everyone's demands. You're open to every opinion in the world. And they all take up equal space. And when we do this, and this is, this is key, sometimes we end up saying yes to the wrong things. But here's the thing. When you say yes to the wrong thing, to the wrong people, it's an automatic no to the right ones. If you don't understand how to prioritize what's important in your life, what God's will for your life is, you will constantly say yes to the wrong things, and it'll be an automatic no to the people that God may actually want to put in your life and have you pour into. By saying yes to those who are using you to achieve their goals, by saying yes to the things that only fill our minds with more hate, more confusion, more worry. We find ourselves unable to give because we're limited. We're limited on our resources. We're limited in what we can give to the people of God. And sometimes we allow other things to take the place that the people that God's entrusted us with, the, the, the people that God's entrusted into our care the most, and it's an automatic no to them. See, I have to have a sense of balance. You have to be balanced in what you give weight to. Sometimes we're stressed out because we're giving too much weight to the wrong thing. And you know, the idea that words, they matter. And sometimes we give far too much weight to the wrong words and not enough to the Word of God. Sometimes we're allowing Fox News, Facebook, Instagram, our friends, everything that comes through social media, those words to influence how we are and who we are and what we do and how we think far more than the pages of Scripture. we got to have a balance. Someone help us in that fact. So we're out of balance because we, we have this feed. We have this feed almost like you know, those of you with social media know what I'm talking about. And everything on it, it feels the same way. If you pick up your phone and you opened it up, if you open the screen up, you have all these little apps everywhere. And the thing about those apps is they're all the same size. They're all the same dimensions. So every one of them seems just as important as the last. And I think that's how we live our life, like that phone screen. That every decision is just as important as the next. And every person, we need to prioritize just as much as the next. Well, God didn't call you to save everyone. You can't save everyone. God, God didn't call you to speak into every situation. God's giving you people. God's giving you situations that He wants you to speak into. And if you don't understand how to prioritize your life, you're going to miss those moments. You're going to miss what's truly important. And so we live in a state of stress because we don't know how to, to weigh it out. Now, you know, in most cases, I think a lot of the things we worry over, we're anxious over, they don't even matter. Most of the things we, we spend so much time worrying over, we're worrying over 99% of them. God's already worked it out. God's already got a way. God's already got a plan. 
And you're worrying over something that God's already handling. And most of them were worrying about something that, that God's already going to give you the answer to. And we spend far too much time being anxious and fearful over it. But when we give weight to the right things, when we begin to put priority in the right places, when our intake is up of the right things, and we have a clear sense of priority in our lives, we're going to be the type of people who can live in the desired way in which God calls us to live. We can say no to the right, right to the wrong things because we have a sense of priority. We say yes to the right things. And the thing is, we do that because we understand God's will for our life because what we're taking in in our life is God's Word on a daily basis. It's more important for us to intake the Word of God in our prayer life so we can find balance for the demands of life. So the thing I have kind of come to realize, you know, Christ is our solid rock as Christians. But here's the thing, if you don't know how to stand on it, if you don't know how to stand on the Word of God, if you can't stand on the solid rock that is Jesus in your life, if you don't have the right balance, then the enemy is going to come push you around and toss you and leave you unsettled in every moment of your life. But when you make up your mind that what matters not just to you, but what matters to God, what's on God's heart, when we do that, when we say, search me, God, test me, know my heart, see what I've allowed the enemy is, we can begin to sort this out and live in this way that God's called us to live. To live in the desired way that God created us to live. And I think this kind of brings me to my next point. And that's a lot of times we live in indecision. Indecision is a prison. I mean, indecision, it's a prison. Uh, you know, I think some of you need to go through this next week and you need to make three decisions. And I'm not talking about think about them. You need to actually make three decisions on the spot. How much time do we waste in our lives sitting at a drive through window trying to decide whether you want chicken or fish? I mean, think about it. I'm not talking about the things in your life that are, that are groundbreaking, that are life-shattering. So th those may require extra time to unpack and extra prayer time. But how much time in our daily lives do we waste over small little decisions, small crossroads in our life that honestly are meaningless in the grand scheme of things, yet we will waste hours of our day worrying about these very things? Do I think God has a call for each and every one of you? Absolutely. That doesn't give you the right to sit in your seat and do nothing until he opens the door to that call. You still have to serve. You still have to pour yourself out into people's lives. You don't get to wait for some loud, booming voice to say, yeah, be a door greeter. No, no, God's called you to serve. Do it every way you can. Until God opens up a place that fits your giftings, you better be serving in any capacity you can serve in. And we do this too often. We sit and we wait around. Hey, we, we don't need to hear God's voice to watch 40 hours of Netflix. That's a fact. But boy, when it comes to ministry, I definitely need to pray for a while. I really need to hear God's voice if you want me to go to the prison with you. How, how interesting is that? You can binge watch your favorite show all week long and you don't give God one question or one even second of thought about whether he wants you to do that. But when it comes to loving people, by God, Lord, you better speak loud and clear on that one. 
Because I don't really like that place. I don't really like those people. They're a little different than I am. How amazing is, how do we call ourselves the body? Did did Jesus ever stop for one moment and ask the Father, hey, listen, you know, do you really want me to go love these people? I mean, I don't see anybody else. They're kind of sitting over here. I guess I could. He knew he was called to people. It didn't matter what they were. It didn't matter how sick they were. It didn't matter how depraved they were. It didn't matter whether they were demon-possessed, they were filled with leprosy, or whether they were the high priest. He came to love them. And we need to figure that out. We can't live our lives in indecision. I think as anxiety arises, when we can't make decisions in our life, and here's the key, it's my next point. It only works in your life to make decisions like that when you live with integrity. See, I think this is a major part of some of our problems. See, I think sometimes your anxiety, your worry, and your fear is a result of the compromise of your integrity. See, I love this word. And it's kind of, uh, kind of hard to have peace. It's kind of hard to have the, the heart and mind of God when you're hiding secrets and you feel like a hypocrite. Isn't it? It's kind of hard to live like Christ when we're hiding things in the depths of our heart that we don't want anyone to see because we know that they're destroying our lives. See, it's kind of hard to have peace when you're, you know, you're placing your hope in the world. It's kind of hard to have peace when you know, you can't honestly figure out who you should be that day when you have no sense of your identity. And I think this is uh, one of the problems we have in our world today. Our lives have so many different pieces. And I love this world integrity because it means whole. It means whole. Integrity means all one person all the time. The whole of a person, not divided. And that, no wonder We're running around fearful and worried and full of anxiety when there's three different needs to manage for every situation that I come in contact with. It's hard to manage and pray this idea of panic away when my own lifestyle is creating it. When I'm trying to figure out which mask I need to wear today, do I wear church mask? Do I wear work mask? Do I wear Friday night me mask? Do I wear Monday mask? Do I wear my job mask? It's kind of hard to feel whole and to live with peace when we're wearing so many different faces on a different basis. It's amazing when you have to have a home you, a church you, a work you, a Friday night you, I'm with the boys you, a husband you, a wife you. It's hard to have that kind of peace when your very foundation is cracked, isn't it? It's hard to find peace and solidarity in your life when your foundation is cracked. It's hard to manage all those different me's, isn't it? What happens when you send out the wrong one? You ever showed up to church with Friday night me on? That's a bad place to be. That's a bad place to be when you show up with the mask on you were wearing with the boys the night before, and you show up to church in that manner. That's what we do sometimes. It's hard to ask God to bless a life that's divided in so many different directions, isn't it? It's hard for God to, to bless, to truly bless a life that's divided in so many different directions. And I don't mean you have to interact with everyone on the same level. But here's what I am saying. You might bring a different approach to every situation. But the essential nature of who you are remains unchanged in every encounter. The central core of who we are should remain intact in every encounter we have. If we're a follower of Christ, we should represent that in every situation we come in contact with, and that should never change. There should never be a moment when we let our language slide just because we're around a certain amount of people. 
Where our, where our thought process gets to go to a place that I never let it go because I'm around certain people. Where I'm alone now so I can watch something because no one will know. I can go to that site that no one will ever know. I can hide my search history. No one will ever know. Search me, God. Search me. See what I've allowed in my life that's destroying it. And I think this is true. we got to ask God to bless our lives, but we can't be tugged and torn in so many different directions. Our essential nature should stay intact. Our lives should feel and look like a continuation no matter where we're at, no matter what we're doing. See, I think, you know, it's a problem when we see people with their hands raised on Sunday morning, but we know what those hands were doing on Saturday night. And I think that's, I think that's the real issue the church has today. We live in these communities. We all know each other. We know each other's lives. We, we know what each other's doing. We know what we like. We know what we dislike. We know where we're at. We know where we're going. Hey, that's the, the very thing that we love to keep in our life is actually the very thing that opens your life up to people knowing everything about you. And so when you come in here and you raise your hands on Sunday morning and you've posted about your drunken tirade on Saturday night, everyone in here knows how fake you actually are. And we do this all the time. And we do it all the time. So I'm thinking, you know, we might be anxious sometimes because we're trying to manage so many different versions of ourselves. See, if we, need, we would bring it all together and just be honest before God. And like David said, if we would say, search me, search my heart, God. Search the way I'm doing things. And if it's wrong, I want them changed. If there's something in my life that needs to be removed, Lord, allow me to remove it. Give me the insight to know what it is you want me to keep and what it is you want me to discard. I'm already accepted because of what Jesus has done, but he doesn't want to stop there. It's more than forgiveness. I tell kids all the time, you don't need forgiveness. Christ would have never came and climbed on that cross if God didn't already forgive you. What God's called you to is repentance. What you need is to turn away from the things that you've allowed in your life for far too long. That's what God's called us to. Now, God, help me to align my life with what you made me to be so I can be that real me. I want to be the person you designed me to be. I want to be that highest version of me. I want to be the one that is called that me. The one that's chosen, that me. I want to be the one that's justified me. I want to be the sanctified me. Allow me to be that in every facet of my life. And I think just by saying that, my cortisol levels just dropped. I want to be the me that God designed me to be. Because all that other stuff, all the other layers that we pile on top of that, the anger, the worry, the anxiety, the fear, the depravity, that's not really who God created you to be. That's not in the blueprint. God didn't put that in the blueprint. He created you to be holy. He created you to be a reflection of who His Son is. And I think that's what David's getting at. He's getting to the bottom of it. And I think you, if you notice, all my points have kind of started with the letter I. Because I figure that's kind of the common denominator in a lot of our anxiety. I think a lot of our worry... And a lot of our fear and a lot of our anxiety starts with us. And I think this is why David's saying, search me. See what your eyes can see, God. 
See beneath the surface of the situations that I'm in. See beneath the surface of all my future fears, of my friends, of my relationships, of my marriage, of my job, of money problems, of political problems. Go deeper than that. Show me the root of the problem. This is what we need to be asking God to do. And I think, you know, that might trigger some of the things that we deal with, but I I think the truth of God can set us free from that. The Word of God planted in our heart, the right intake can transform our minds and our lives. The New Testament teaches that the peace of God will actually pass all understanding. That it will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So no matter what triggers the anxiety, it can be any situation you come in contact with, any situation, whatever triggers it, David says, search me, know me, because sometimes I have to fix what I'm going to call next your intention. And I think this is true. Sometimes we can reduce anxiety, worry, and fear in our life by shifting our intention. By going from the fact that, and this is what we do so often, from this thought of what are people actually thinking of me to actually realizing they're not. We spend so much time wondering what everyone else thinks of you when the reality is they're not thinking of you at all. They're actually wondering what you're thinking of them. We spend so much time with the wrong intentions. We need to shift our intentions. Maybe if I would think about others more, maybe I wouldn't have this problem. You ever walked in somewhere and the first thing that said to you is, or the first thing you thought was, why didn't so-and-so speak to me? Bigger question is, why didn't you go speak to them? How about that? Why don't you try that one on for size? Quit wondering why somebody else didn't do something. You do it yourself. Why are you worrying about why you wasn't greeted properly when you walked in the door? Why don't you go greet people with love and acceptance and affection? Why don't you worry about yourself? Quit worrying about what everybody else is thinking about because most likely they're not thinking about you. Maybe I would think about others more. See, you can shift your intention in any, in any inter- interaction, in any situation. And when you do this, When you shift your intention and you step yourself out of the center of every situation and you start thinking about how you can serve, how you can love, how you can be Christ in every situation, I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to fade. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to go away when you step out of the center. The burden and the weight of how you're coming across will fade. The burden and the weight of how you're being perceived will fade of what other people are actually doing or what other people are actually thinking or what other people might not be giving you, these things will fade away if you step yourself out of the center of every interaction that you have in your life. You place God in the center and ask the question, Lord, how do you want me to serve and love in this moment? Quit worrying about what you're not getting and start seeing what God may want to do through your life for someone else. Shift your intention. We need to shift our intention. You, you've got to get out of the middle. You've got to see things from God's point of view. That's why it's important what David says. Search me. See why I'm anxious. Is it the rhythm of life I'm in? Then I'll get through it. But am I the one creating the anxiety? Am I the one who's allowing the enemy to traffic fear and worry in my life because my eyes aren't focused on Jesus? 
because I live imbalanced. I can't prioritize anything because I don't spend time in the Word. I can't make decisions because I don't even know God's will for my life. I don't even know what the Bible says God's purpose and will for what the world is. No wonder we live so turned in. We need to shift our intentions. And I find a lot of times the things we worry, the things we spend so much time being fearful of, they're not even real. They're not. There's a sacred place that God gave us, which I think he shows us who he is. And it's the sacred space of our imagination. And this may be new to some of you. I want you to hear me out for a moment. See, I think we need to reclaim our imagination. See, I think we need to to take back one of our most valuable assets. Take back that place that we used to use to be playful and innocent. See, now it's so stressed It's so panicked. It's so depraved. See, it used to make up games when we were a little kid, right? It used to make up magical worlds that we could step into. It used to make up a future that whether it was actually uh, something you could achieve or not, it was a place you wanted to live. I want to get back to that childlike faith. I think as the church, we need to get back to that childlike faith. See, the enemy, when when he comes at you, he wants to turn that place that was meant to be your playground where you could enjoy God into a battleground where you can't even feel and experience Him. He wants to take that place, that sacred place that God's given you, and turn it into a place that you can't even stand to visit because it's so dark and twisted. See, when the enemy comes after you, when he comes after your destiny, his first step is to set up a stronghold in your imagination. See, the enemy... He wants to make where, where you can't stand to be alone. Because you have this eternal, in, just this eternal ISIS in your mind. Just being terrorized that everything you go to think of, everything you go to try to imagine becomes filled with worry and so much depravity and it's so sinful that you don't even want to think anymore. You wish you could shut your brain off. We can't even worship God anymore. Because our minds are so turned in and so dark and twisted. The enemy loves that. He wants to set up a stronghold in that sacred place that God gave you where you could dream, where you could have that childlike faith, where you could experience him on a great... You know, we say all the time that God has all the power, that God can do all things. Well, guess where you honestly get to experience that? In your imagination. The little miniature giraffe that everybody wants off that commercial... That's the thing God can do if he wants to create that. That's the place you can go in your imagination to have that very thing. We get to experience really who God is in our imagination. where We actually get to live the reality that there's no limits for what God can do in our lives. For what God can do in the world. And the devil wants to turn it into a, a battleground. And I think it's why today we have to get this turned around. We need to recapture our imagination so you can... You can feel alive again. So you can feel free again. So you can dream again. So we can begin to think again. How many of you as an adult right now want to get back to a time of make-believe? So we can do that again. Get back to a childlike faith. See, the good news is if if you're really good at worrying, see, if you're really good at being anxious, if you're one of those who's really good at being scared at everything, you're going to be great at worship. You are. You're going to be great at worship because all it is, it's the same imagination 
swung, the, swung into an opposite purpose. It really is. It's the same imagination, the same thought process swung in the right direction. Hey, if you're really good at being anxious and fearful, you're going to be really good at praising God. You're going to be really good at living free. You're going to be really good at having a, 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 a childlike faith. And the last thing I want to talk about, see, the enemy wants to, to fight you in isolation. I think sometimes when we ask the question, why are we so anxious? I think the answer to that question can be found in the middle of the actual word, anxiety itself. See, right in the middle of the word, there's the letter I. And you know, I was looking at that word, anxious. And I was wondering, you know, why should I feel so discouraged all the time? Why do shadows come across my life and my thought process all the time? Shouldn't, should I feel this lonely? Should my heart feel this lonely? When Jesus is our portion, when Jesus is our constant friend, when his eyes watching over my life and see, David said, you were there for me at my conception, and you've been there for every conflict since then. You've been there for every season of my life. David wrote this beautiful psalm, and he says, show me what is really making me anxious so I don't spend the rest of my life waiting for my enemies to just disappear, so I don't spend the rest of my life waiting on the situations that are outside my control to just magically go away. What if I could have peace before that? What if I could have peace right now? I don't want to choose to have peace when everything else is right. See, I was looking at the very word and that I in the middle. And it, it dawned on me that the I may be in the middle, and I think that's at the heart of our problem, but the word ends with us. And I think that's key for the church today. See, the enemy wants to fight you in isolation. He wants you to feel as if you can't share your life with the people around you. If you let them know what you've done, it never lets you back in the doors. He wants you to feel like there's nowhere you can turn. But there's, there's never been and there never will be a such thing as a, as, a, as a singular Christian. There's no such thing as this Christian, you know, this Christian faith that's done in a solitary way. We're called to a God that is three distinct persons, one God. And you're called to a relationship of believers where we share our lives and our burdens and our fears and our worries. Where that anxiety isn't something you have to drag around by yourself, but it's something that other people can come along beside you and help you carry it. They can help you pray for it. They can help you deal with it and mend it. See, the enemy wants to fight you in isolation. I think this is exactly what we have in our church today. It's why small groups are important. It's why discipleship isn't an add-on in the Christian faith. It isn't leather seats and a sunroof. It isn't optional. You're called to other people. You should live your life in relationship with like-minded people who can love you, who can encourage you, and who you can do the same for. I mean, I don't even know what the use of the seed that God has given us in the Word if there's no water applied to it? What's, what's, what's the purpose in, in the Gospel being like a seed if there aren't people to come along in our lives and water it for us? To help prune it. To help correct it. 
to get the weeds out, to show us perspectives we can't see ourselves. You're not meant to fight and live in this world in isolation. And so often we do, we allow the enemy to really convince us that I can't let people see who I am. I can't really let the church know what I'm dealing with. You'd be surprised to know that the people sitting next to you in the pew are dealing with things on the same level, if not worse. And we do it in isolation and the enemy's like, thank goodness. Because if they ever figure it out, my goodness, if they ever figure out why Jesus called 12 men and even lived his small moments on earth in a community. Well, if they ever figured out why God kept calling families every time covenant was broken. He didn't just call one person, he would call families together. Because he never meant for you to go through this world alone. And that's not a call to be married, single or not. You have community. You have brothers and sisters in Christ. We have extended family. And we're called to live our lives together. To share our burdens together. It's no wonder you're probably filled with anxiety if you're trying to fight all the things the enemy's throwing at you by yourself. And I think this is where we have to really take David to heart. Some of us need this morning to really take a long look and ask God, search me. Where in my heart have I allowed the enemy to stay far too long? Where have I allowed the enemy to set up shop in my life? I think change happens when we come together, when we begin to care about each other, when we begin to put other people's needs before our own. Change happens when we begin to put God's will for our life Above the things in our daily life that we feel like we need or want. Are we an I? Or as the church, are we going to start living as an us? One that's united in Christ. I hope this morning you can leave here and check what it is you're you're taking in in your daily life. Find balance in your daily life. Make decisions that's based on the integrity, not of you, but of God's character. Take back your imagination. Allow God to bring it back to that place of childlike faith and quit living in isolation. You are given community for a reason. You serve a communal God. Live in that reality. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to God, there's so much going on in our daily lives and in this world, Lord, that can really just weigh on us, Lord. And the truth is, There's not much any of us can do to truly change it or stop it if our own hearts, if our own minds, if our own lives are turned in and turned away from you. The only way true change comes to this world is if the church actually starts living in the way that you've called us to live. What people are drawn to in this world are people who live holy. It's why Jesus really stirred things up when he was on the earth. Because whether you hated him or whether you loved him, you had to notice him. He was different. And the world needs to see different. Not different for the sake of being different, but I'm talking about different in substance. The way we think, the way we talk, where we go, what we text, what we watch, what we listen to, Lord, should be found in you. There's not an aspect of our life that you don't have a say in. Help us take in more of you 
and less of the enemy, less of the world. Get our identities back grounded in who you've created us to be, not what Facebook and Instagram have told us we should be, not what every billboard and every commercial have shown us we should be. Allow us to come back to you, to live in the way that you've called us to live. Let us do that as a church this morning. Not tomorrow, not next year, not when everything settles down today. But we love you and we thank you for that reality. I ask all this in your name. Amen.